Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Civ is proudly supported by Murdoch University School of Arts, who have been with us since the very beginning, and it's where we learn how to make podcasts, radio, and video. If you're interested in create in a creative degree in games, sound, film, journalism, or maybe you'd like to mix and match, kind of like what we do here, um, you can head to murdoch.edu forward slash murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to learn more about what they've got on offer. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts or you can just search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting Pixelsift. Hello, and uh, my name is Mitch, and welcome to Pixel Civ episode 106. Uh, so for the first of, for those of you just joining us for the first time, we are a show dedicated to the indie developers around Australia and the world. And uh, joining me today is my co-host, Scott. How are hey, you doing, hey. mate? I'm very well, thanks. How are you doing? <laughs> We've had quite the day, and uh, speaking of the world, we are joined by John Robertson all the way from the UK. Hello, John. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good to have you on, John. Now, John is here to talk about his baby, The Dark Room, and the game that has uh, has been spawned from his idea. Um, it's the point-and-click adventure game. It's based off a point-and-click adventure game stage show and is in a collaboration with Perth-based studio Stirfire. Uh, but before we get into that, what are we covering, Scott? Uh, tonight we'll also be looking at, uh, taking a look at participatory culture in games and fandom. All right, let's jump in. <laughs> Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. And so, participatory culture yep. in in fandoms. So, I I thought we we had this topic in mind a while ago, but we thought, well, we're getting John on and he pretty much wrote the book on the subject. So, <laughs> You're, so we'll get more into the dark room later, but you are yeah. a big, a big um, supporter of participatory culture in your in what you do, like your stage shows. And you first got your start out. Mm-hmm. We were talking earlier about your hosting of cosplay competitions in Supernova, yep. and that is really participatory based. So, uh, what are your thoughts oh, on yeah. participatory culture? Oh, Ganvate! I mean. I get the feeling that the word fandom exists uh, because participatory is too hard to pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) As I uh, just showed. Well, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. But, you know, (laughs) the nature of being inclusive would be not to point that out. (laughs) Uh, Look, what what we used to do with cosplay shows, and I I still do once a year when I fly out uh, to what used to be the EB Games Expo and is now PAX, Mm. 
is it's entirely about harnessing uh, the love and passion in the room and, you know, making it go somewhere. And so you just have to give people something to do. So it's things like um, chanting, this is adorable, when something (laughs) cute happens, you know, or like you find something that's wonderful and then you hook people into it forever. Like the sign that um, my cosplay shows were working for me was when um, we had a guy dressed as Luigi come on stage and I just leaned over to him and I said, your brother will always be better. (laughs) And what he did was he walked off to a corner of the stage, sat down and then just began tracing a small circle with his index finger on stage looking cartoonishly sad. So as a result for the rest of that show, uh, if, if anything happened, I would say, go join Luigi. (laughs) And people would just walk off and go do that. Two years later at a completely different event in a completely different state, I was talking to somebody and somebody shouts out from the audience, go join Luigi. And it's that kind of thing. The jokes that keep on giving. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, the jokes that keep on giving, but also the first time uh, I hosted a cosplay show, Uh, we had a lot of kids who were getting up and they were doing little sketches about how, what would it be like if this anime character and this anime character were to impregnate one another? (laughs) It was kind of, kind of like deeply, deeply gross. Yeah. Are you saying you invented fan fiction as well? Uh, no, no, but I, uh, (laughs) I sort of invented the live action puppet show version of it. And I, uh, I definitely found a way of getting out of it because this, this is what, this is what I mean. We've got young kids getting up to just give it a go, and so it's kind of amateur comedy hour. They've all got this notion as to what they'd like the characters to do, and so you get these, you know, adolescent children sort of being like, oh, oh, and then they do an awkward sketch where at the end they pretend to kiss. And after a while, the first time I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is a bit bit gross what's happening. These kids, it's, <laughs> it's weird. So I, I got up to try to address it, and what I said to the crowd was, there's a lot of love on this stage. There's a lot of love out there. And I was about to finish that as a sort of punchline of, oh, I wish they'd stop trying to love each other so forcefully through the mouth, you know, or whatever I was going to say. But the crowd had already started clapping upon the phrase, there's a lot of love on this stage, there's a lot of love out there. They were just so incredibly pleased by the notion of, we've been watching this, people have been giving something to us. And so I ended up just uh, saying, you don't get this at Star Trek conventions. And then they just applauded wildly which is interesting because all i was trying to say was uh it's a little bit sad watching 15 year olds try to enact slash fiction on stage <laughs> i think there's just something uh special about being part of something you know a bit a little bit bigger than yourself uh and especially with mm. um with what you're doing you know it might not be something that people would necessarily um think that they could do themselves you know um acting and participating with in on yeah. such a grand scale um you know, do you find you um, do, uh, do you, do you find that you get people out of their skin, uh, so to speak, uh, in these situations? Yes. Or is it a little oh, bit? Very, very um, you know, cosplay, some people. Are, um, sorry, and go cosplay on. Cosplay competitions, especially, are just tremendous for giving people a release that they otherwise wouldn't have had because there's nothing in the world uh, to compare to. Like, so, say for instance, if you're a maybe just a very tall, lanky person. Right? <laughs> sure. Okay, having having a, fr- a tall frame and making a cosplay can automatically create a visual spectacle that's just amazing. Like nothing, nothing makes me happier 
Well, actually, a lot of things do, but there's something <laughs> infinitely great about seeing someone walk on stage in a home-crafted armour, you know, and if you can just see the time that they've put into it or or the lack of time, for, for a moment, <laughs> they, they're totally transformed. <clears throat> you know, I, like I know a guy from Perth who every time I've seen him, he's been on stage wearing an immaculate costume he's created, toting a weapon larger than my fridge, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. I'd known him five years, and then one day I was talking to him and I said I was going out to a suburb, and he went, oh, come down, I work at the local cash converters. These people are, yeah, they, they disrobe and become regular people uh, during oh, the- no, uh... I don't think they become, well, regular's <laughs> a good word, but not ordinary. No. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, regular, I use the word very carefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny um, the way um, I mean you obviously you speak about the idea of what you're doing as cosplay, but um, you know, I spend a lot of time uh, when the time of the year comes around uh, around the Fringe Festival, uh, yeah. and and this is the kind of uh, participat participatory uh, um, things that I, I love about Fringe. Um, have you ever thought about uh, bringing it into kind of different um, areas of the uh, landscape, the social landscape out there? Oh, cosplay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be a treat. You know, that would be that would be a lovely thing to do. To if you were to have a an almost mainstream comedy sh uh, cosplay show. Yeah, that'd be you amazing. Know, like, uh, yeah, that, that's a really nice idea because burlesque, of course, has uh, taken fringe festivals by storm. Sure. Cosplay is next. But it's not all about yeah. burlesque. Obviously, there is a lot of it there. But you know, I think just the open-mindedness that comes with mm. Fringe. I think uh, you know, especially a live type of um, cosplay, uh, you know, performance would be really fitted in at, at something like that. Oh no, I think it'd be a great idea, mm. especially when you consider that you know, burlesque is somebody in a dazzling costume removing layers, what? and cosplay is somebody uh, <laughs> assembling and putting layers on. I think you just wrote in your own first show right there. Awesome. Well, I think we should move on to what everybody, I'm sure, has come to talk about, especially John, the uh, darkroom. So um, we will move on to our next topic. Pixel Sim! It's not Pixel Sim. It's Pixel Sift. Pixel Sim! Pixel At Sift. Pixel yeah, with a T, 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 people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like something that my mom still can't pronounce, so, you know, I mean... We'll get over. Oh, don't worry. My mother keeps saying Star Trek. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it, it is great. John, you still like the Star Trek? <laughs> is all gaming consoles like a Nintendo as well? Is like they're all they're all Nintendo to her as well? Oh right? yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still playing <laughs> in your Atari. She does whenever I have a gaming console, and I'm 33 now. She goes, "You still like the graphics on this?" <laughs> that's the thing. That's what mattered to me when I had a Mega Drive. Anyway, speaking of graphics. That's it. And speaking <laughs> yes. of guests. Um, speaking of guests, we are joined by John Robertson, the mastermind. Hey. Hello. The mastermind behind The Dark Room and the video game based on a stage show, based on a point-and-click adventure game. So, John, for those of us uninitiated and for those of us who might not know what it is, what is The Dark Room? Uh, well, um, I will just point out I hesitate to use the word mastermind, given mm. that I uh, delayed our interview starting by not waking up. <laughs> <laughs> no one has to know that. Yeah. Well, know. I mean, so, since you're mentioning well, it now. Magic of radio. <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Uh, brutal reality. <laughs> uh, look, um, The Dark Room 
is a parody of uh, 1980s text-based adventure games that I've been touring around with for the last six years. And the thing about touring something for six years and why it's um it's, it's interesting in terms of participatory culture is if you do a show that changes every single night based on the audience that's there and you six years later have to produce like a conclusive document of that show, as in you take a show based on uh, audience participation and then make it into a script, you accidentally discover that the show has uh, become something with a lot more depth and a lot more range and a lot more lore than you expected. So when you sit down thinking, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have to add a story, you suddenly realize that after six years, uh, you and an audience have built an incredible narrative, which is a great gift. But, yeah, it's a um, parody of text-based adventures. Uh, I'm there as a sort of motion-captured games master wearing a lot of leather and spikes, like kind of Mad Max Tron person. Yeah, Mad Max Tron fetish person. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fist of the North Star. And then, yeah, verbal abuse. People get called Darren. Lots of fun. So it, the show has been a stage show for quite some time now. Did you? What prompted the move to the digital realm? Uh, well, money and opportunity. <laughs> that was very much it. We'd always wanted to do a video game, but uh, for the longest time it was uh, completely outside uh, the realm of possibility. But at the start of this year, Stirfire uh, wa- desperately wanted to do an interesting project, and I, I'd always wanted to work with them. They so could, that worked. Good people. Understandable. Yeah. Oh, they're terrific. I mean, I've known half the team since I was 15 years old. You mentioned earlier um, you were doing the show or the work, the cosplay work with a little bit, uh, with kids a little bit. And now I did notice uh, when I was looking at the uh, extensive list of live dates, both previous and upcoming, uh, that you have a kids and a regular show. I'll use the word again. Um, Huge differences between the two of them and also final products via Stirfire. How will that reflect the difference if there is any? Well, let's see. Um, there is, between the adult show and the kids show, there is zero difference. Uh, there used to be difference, but it was deeply patronizing. You know, that's a great thing to hear. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> what did you find? Yeah, that? That's really uh, interesting, I mean, the way you say it's patronizing. I'm sure you patted it for children, but then found that it was unnecessary or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, we ended up... I went into the Leicester Comedy Festival at the start of this year and I was about to do the kids show and I accidentally loaded up the adult map. (laughs) And I thought, well, let's just see what happens. So I just went on like it was a normal show and we won Best Kids Show. (laughs) Wow. At the festival. (laughs) And um, the part of it was uh, one of the judges came up at the end, uh, not that night, but at the awards ceremony. And, of course, a lot of the show is the words you die flashing on the screen whilst yes. I get right in a loser's face. And this is, I don't mean a loser in a general sense, but I mean just someone who's played the game and failed and just scream, you die, you die, you die. And what I got told was, we really we really like your show because you didn't patronise the kids because they are going to die. And they need to know that. <laughs> There's no point patting it. Also, as it turns out, um, one of the judges had gone up to the kids who had, who had left the show and they, because they were all chanting all the catchphrases. So they were like, oh, it works. Yeah. Just like little eight-year-olds going, you die, you die, you die. <laughs> yeah, the, actually, uh, the was, parents will be thanking that for ages. And that was oh, when you realised you made it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, 
To, to, to be honest, I realized I made it when somebody sent me a video of their three-year-old uh, trying to say, you die, you die, you oh, die. Um, so so the game hasn't been out for very long. Uh, it came out on the uh, 20th of September. 26th. My notes are incorrect. But, uh, the 26th. No, no, right. your, your, your notes are correct. That oh. was entirely creator error. 26th. <laughs> No, 20th, 20th, 20th. What's it been like so far? What's the reception been like? Uh, The reception has been, it has been brilliant. Uh, People are starting to find it on Steam just on their Mm. own, and that is a a real (coughs) treat. Uh, And they're taking it for what it is, like that, which was not something I expected because The Dark Room had previously existed as a YouTube game. And when that went viral, people started messaging me with all sorts of just random hostility. You know, wow. uh, I still have an email from somebody uh, in Germany just going, I will <coughs> find you and I will kill you, little man. <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. Whereas uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fact that it costs money or something. Uh, but it's kind of um, knocked out a lot of just the sort of random, oh, I didn't know what this was. Now I've encountered it. Now, oh, I, I'm so agitated. And instead, we've got people who are just playing in a variety of ways. And it's lovely to see. What? So you have the people who come for the comedy and then the people who came for the comedy and accidentally fell upon the story, so they keep playing. You have the people who get hooked into the puzzles and they're the guys who you can see spend about 25 hours in level one. <laughs> Which is great because we just finished the uh, main story of Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise last night. That's taken 38 hours. And when you realise that not even a third of your story can provide 25 hours of entertainment for somebody, that's a great feeling. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'd enjoy some of Fist of the North Star's money, but that's not important. <laughs> sure. Has it? Has the game... <laughs> and his pecs, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, you know, could all use some of that. But um, ha- has <laughs> has the game brought more attention back to the uh, the YouTube show or the YouTube game? Yes, yes, it has. Very confusing. Um, <laughs> people have found the original map, which I didn't think you could do anymore. Right. I mean, <laughs> so this is good. So, like, this is obviously a very long project that you've done in many kind of formats now, um, from the YouTube um, to the live show. Um, and I, I do love the YouTube video. It reminds me of, you know, 90s uh, nightmare, you know, vi- VHS yes. game sort of thing. I hark back to old times. Um, and I loved it on the YouTube video you've got. Um, this is the future of gaming. I couldn't help it laughing. Oh, yeah, Ron Gilbert. Couldn't, yeah. I couldn't help it laughing at that one. Um, but... You know, I mean, seeing a project kind of uh, move along so far and change uh, formats so many times, like what does it mean for you to see it kind of coming to a a final, um, uh, you know, game release with a proper, you know, Fandango Wicked Stirfire gleam over the top of it? Um, how, yeah. do, how much well, does it mean to you to see, see a project come to its like, fruition? Well, yeah, it's it's um, astonishing. But then I thought that me doing the show with a costume was an achievement. Yeah, okay. You know, because the show used to just be me with a torch and then it became me with a torch and a corset and then as time went on, it became (laughs) me with a torch and a corset and leather pants and eventually I added some uh, uh, American gridiron armor with metal spikes jammed through it. 
Nice. And that, but I'm so resistant to change that that took four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that that's literally you... me saying it took me four years to get dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did you ever think it was going to become more than the uh, flashlight in the face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hoped I hoped that it would, but the the magical ingredient uh, is other people, and is yeah, and always. is always other people. Always. Like, I'll t- I tell folks that I'm sort of the apogee of an, what an only child is. <laughs> I'm not, not great at sharing my entire business as I talk <laughs> about myself, and I'm such a lazy actor that I only create projects where I can be in my very limited range, <laughs> which is funny and malevolent. That's fine. We're My favourite actor voices. is Jack Black, so, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, at least he's got a guitar. That's his range. True, true, true. You've got a flashlight, yeah, Jack, Jack Black's range is vocal, not acting. His high kicks. Yeah, vocal, oh. not emotional. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, to see it come out as, a, as an actual game is just a, um, a really, really wonderful thing. Mm. And, of course, you know, when, when people criticise the development of games uh, so very, very heavily... Uh, when you when you finally get involved in making it, like I, I keep telling people for the last eight months I've been adjacent to game development, uh, you realise how ferociously difficult it is. And I have nothing but admiration for Stirfire's team. How I mean, come hell or high water, they get it done, and they're just phenomenal. Is this the final chapter for the Dark Room as a concept? Is, is the game it? Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh it is currently in development uh, with a subsidiary of Fremantle Media uh, for a television show. Right. Yeah, because my uh, my thinking was I should jump into mediums uh, just before they die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should uh, get into that 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 print media I hear is going places. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I am. You could do a mail-in game or something. <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect. People yeah, would play that. Things about mimeograph. It's going to be great. <laughs> So I mean, obviously, um, you just said you you know that this isn't the end of dark the dark room for yourself. You, I'm, I'm sure you'll continue to love it and take it to strange new places. But do you have any other plans to create anything else or other games? Well, um, I'm I'm in that initial phase uh, that sometimes happens to me when I've worked on a project, which is good. I've done that once. Let's never do that again. <laughs> yeah, tick that box. But- Put it away yeah. forever. But the odd thing, of course, is that because like the ga- the darkroom game is currently on early access, uh, it means that it's it's a living thing. There's this constant process of updating, which makes it like a living, breathing draft. Yeah. But people love it, so like that feels to me like a separate project. Because first we had the let's make the script, then the motion capture, and all of this, all of which felt like different stages. Mm. So I imagine at some point or another we might do a sequel. Uh, I am interested in one day working on a different game, but I, I did just write a book, and that's coming out next year. Uh, so I, I figure we might be running around um, two franchises around uh, this time next year. Right, and what uh, what's the book based around? Oh, uh, at the moment, it's uh, based around the concept of being subject to an NDA, but that doesn't mean I can't mention <laughs> okay. it. It's uh, sort of like the most it's like the most unhelpful humble brag. Uh, oh, I love talking to you, John. This has been very interesting, very entertaining. You're very interesting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, what, what, what I am is somebody who's got his ear. I, I should just tell your listeners, uh, I'm someone who has, uh, <laughs> I was ready to do this interview 
I completely blame well, my alarm didn't go off. I've run downstairs frantically. We've got the nice mic set up, but my my audio is feeding back into the mic. So about half a second after I talk, everything that I've said is coming back at me. Oh, so gross. I have these two very pleasant people I'm talking to. But <laughs> well, it I'm sounds fantastic on our end. Confronted like- with my own words. So this is its own strange middle class purgatory that <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> this is fantastic. Now you you said works on a. Um, uh, a follow-up to the dark room. Always mm-hmm. asking the important questions here. Now, will it be called the dark room two or the darker room? Oh. <laughs> because that's really important to me. I wanted to know the answer to that question. Well, actually, what kind of person are you? Which direction are you going to take me? Okay. Uh, back in 2013, I I got like people people don't know this because I had it erased from the internet, <laughs> which is a big uh, deal. We can't just do that. No, no, I, I feel like uh, I feel like Stalin just removing history. Um, what what happened was uh, Hattrick Productions, who used to make Father Ted, uh, got in touch with me. Great show. And they went, look, we really like the Dark Room. Can you make us one of our own? Okay. And I thought, oh, how tremendous! And I envisioned all of this money and, and whatever. Mm. And they they gave me a, a particular sum of fees, and they were like, okay, yeah, give us give us our own version of the Dark Room. And because I had no ideas. I went, well, I'll do a sort of follow-up, called it the white room. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Flip the switch and on them. Instead of it, yeah, <laughs> and instead of it being me in the dark with a British accent going, you're weak to find yourself in a dark room, <laughs> and then four options appearing on the screen, I thought, what if I just did a total inversion of that and I tried to make a YouTube interactive open-world adventure in which everything was visible, and I was American. <laughs> and I'll tell you, <clears throat> so it, it went great. Did not work because <laughs> <laughs> rather because the idea was inst- like I wanted to do a parody of open world gameplay. So instead of having like the limited numbers of a text adventure uh, or the limited options, you would instead like every single specific thing branched off into another sixteen. And so the game was huge, but people people stopped playing it um, right around the time when they realised two things: one, it wasn't fun, and uh, the other that it was in, like disturbing. It was a genuinely upsetting because there was no punchline to anything. Right. So the th- the thing with Darkroom is Darkroom works like this: Come over here. You can't come over here. There was a hole there. Every- <laughs> Knows that, you know, like, yeah, that you up to fail, everyone laughs. It's it's good, yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like it's like the old Sierra point and click games. It's like, okay, I'll learn by doing, yes, yeah. Now, in this particular, okay, in the case of the white room, rather than just having me being like, come over here, bang, consequence, we had me in front of a background which was an image of rotating eyes just this line drawing of rotating eyes that just looped forever. And I was doing a character called the man without a moustache, which was just me with um, a moustache, just a, a duct tape moustache and a bowler hat. Well, no, it was a top hat. Just going, hello, come here and let's have a discussion, parasite. Creepy. And people, yeah, people wrote to me just going, <laughs> I've had an anxiety attack getting through the first menu, I will not be playing this any further. 
And uh, yeah, eventually I, uh, I wrote to the nice guys at Hattrick and just kind of went, yeah, we failed. And they were quite happy to call it yes. And they took it, took it right down. So long story short, the sequel will not be The White Room. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, I, I got to wear a, um, I got to wear a wooden mask that's of a Mexican bat god that I've had for years, and um, run around in my, um, run around in my underpants, uh, pretending to stab people. It was pretty good. Amazing. Yeah, we. I have... just do that for fun. <laughs> so um, what I'm saying is, your cosplay for Pax is that's what that's what it's going to be, right? That. Oh, <laughs> mate, my cosplay for Pax is what it what it always is. Yeah. Which is me walking around, hoping people go, "You look like Sephiroth, or you look like Draco Malfoy's dad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I get that. I yeah, get that. Yeah, sure. we got, we got a picture of you. I was just uh, looking at the picture for sure. Well, how, um, well here's, how's this for fun? I show up at MCM <clears throat> Comic Con. Um, I've been hired to go and perform Darkroom on Capcom stage, and when I showed up, one of them just looked at me and just kind of went, "Are you crap, Dante?" <laughs> At the Capcom stage. <laughs> At the Capcom stage. Like, oh, hello. Good. You're paying me, are you? Great to be here. Nice. <laughs> um, we, of course, have been speaking to John Robertson uh, about his game, The Dark Room, if you've just joined us. Uh, and that we are at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, we just did um, where you can find johnrobertson.com, was it? Straight up. You've got your own website. Uh, thejohnrobertson.com. Thejohnrobertson.com, of course. Um, and of course, well, the generic name, so I have to be the. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and if you want to find more about the dark room, uh, do the social medias. It's everywhere at the moment because it, it's yeah. popping off, and everyone's loving it because it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, John. It was oh, thanks epic for having to me. talk to you. Yeah, um, mucho pleasure. Yeah, someone who actually I've admired for admired for a while now. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us from a distance. Well, th- thank you very much. <laughs> I apologise for uh, probably crushing that. <laughs> no, it's fine. We'll make it work. We uh, never we meet, have never <laughs> never meet your heroes. Yeah. I always tell myself. <laughs> yeah, we- well, you know, one day you might meet one. I'm just some jerk in London, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, we're all just jerks someplace. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to do that when this is finished. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Top stuff. And Johnny's going to fire me. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, this episode was produced. Uh, this episode was produced by Fiona Bartholomeus and executive produced by Johnny D. Giovanni and, of course, hosted by myself, Mitchell Lowe, and Scott Quigg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so, this episode was also sponsored by the Murdoch University School of Arts. If you want more information on that, you can visit murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. And um, as always, we'll be sticking the links up on our website, www.pixelsiv.com.au. And uh, the absolute best thing you can do is head to the Discord at pixelsiv.com.au forward slash Discord if you want to keep up with everything we're doing. Uh, we post everything there first, and you can chat to us about what you're playing, the articles you've read, and other things. Come and hang. Come and hang with us. Uh, John's in there now, but we'll, you probably... We'll, <laughs> that is enough to get you on board. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you can go to our website to stream all the episodes, and it's also on... Pocket Casts, and Spotify. Mm-hmm. So uh, join us next week where we play something or other. We're going to be doing something. <laughs> tune in. You have to find out. Yeah, we're going, to be, we're going to be doing something. Thank you very much for joining us, John. And uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. We will see you guys next time. Peace out. Peace out. Bye. D20. 
Did you know that the original Final Fantasy creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, made a spiritual successor to that legendary series called Fantasian for Apple Arcade, and every level in the game is a handmade, physical miniature model. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing, and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au forward slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today at sifter.com.au forward slash arcade for a one month free trial of Apple Arcade and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. This offer is for new subscribers only $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 